0: Listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love.
1: Good morning. Good morning, good morning Mission family. Morning. I'm Pastor Jason. If you don't know, man, it's so good to see you guys this morning. Thank you for coming to worship with us. Is there anything better than just declaring the faithfulness of God? That was kind of weak, like, oh, okay, I'm just, sure, I'm just making sure you're with me here, because I, cause I couldn't tell from that response, like, like, has God been faithful to y'all? Okay, so is it, is it just an awesome thing to declare the faithfulness of God? Yes. Amen, 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 awesome, awesome. Well, I, I, I'm like doing my best to contain my excitement this morning, can't you tell, like, don't I look excited? Like, I am so excited um, this morning because we're doing something a little bit different this morning. Um, we, as, as many of you know, we've been in this sermon series called It's Okay to Not Be Okay, and we set aside five weeks, right, um, and today, we set aside five weeks to talk about mental health and, and what the Bible has to say about it and, and to really just open a dialogue up about it within the church right and for a long time now there's there's been this stigma in in the church related to mental health and and uh, like we believe strongly in the mission here that it's time for that stigma to be broken like we that there's just no question it's time for it's time for that that stigma to be broken people will open up openly And talk about their physical health concerns in church, right? But when it comes to depression, anxiety, OCD, and other mental health issues, we've been taught to keep it locked away. We've been taught to keep it a secret. And many of these people who are struggling in secret believe that if they pray hard enough or they become uh, spiritual enough, their suffering will cease And if you don't hear anything else that we say today, hear this. That is not a biblical concept. Many of our heroes throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, suffered until the day that they died with various things. But the incredible news is that the Father God is good we believe he is perfect in all of his ways. Do you believe he's perfect in all of his ways? Yes. And that our struggle, it may be a part of our story, but it's not the end of our story. Because in Philippians 1.6 it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Christ. This verse promises that there is an end in sight to our suffering. And one day, when we see Jesus face to face, we will be made healed and whole. But until that day, we are a work in progress. And we have to stay on the journey with God towards our restoration, even in the midst of suffering. And and so, Uh, in week two of this sermon series, we had Dr. Mark come and share with us some of the medical reasons why mental health isn't something some people can just get over. And that if we view science uh, as a way of understanding God, as many of the early famous scientists did, science and faith are not at odds at all. Professor Ricardo came and reminded us that one of the things we can do to keep anxiety from stealing our joy is to continually remind ourselves of the promises of God. We have to live with this this almost fearless joy. And Principal Brian Bell came last week and reminded us how important it is to guide our hearts and mind by daily being in the Word of God and putting on the full armor of God, right? And if you missed any week of this sermon series, any, any part at all, I can't urge you strongly enough to go back and check out the podcast either on iTunes or on our website because this, is, this has been a phenomenal sermon series and um, I only spoke once of yeah. the four weeks, so I'm not like bragging. Like there has been some really good stuff that God is is gifting us with in this sermon series, and 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 I just got to tell you guys. I just wanted to share this with you. The 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 very first day I shared, um, be, uh, because I'm a pastor of a small church, I also do the graphics design for the church, <laughs> and uh, the very first day I shared the sermon series art. In the days to come, we would get over 5,000 responses on Facebook to the, to the sermon series. Um, I'm daily, daily getting uh, emails, texts, Facebook messages, some people thanking me for, or, or thanking us for, for bringing this out in, into the light, for, for, for talking about it. Uh, some of us saying, thank you. I never realized. One, one lady said that she her and her husband listened to one of the podcasts together and he had been battling with depression for years and years and years, but didn't really label it and, and decided to go see someone and get help. Like that's what we wanted. That's what the Lord, that's what we wanted the Lord to, that's the way we wanted the Lord to move rather (laughs) through this sermon series. And so daily I'm getting these messages and, 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 it's 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 amazing and since we began this sermon series uh relevant magazine and other christian media sources have begun to discuss the topic of mental health uh in the Christian context, and, and like, don't worry, we're not under the delusion that that's because of us. You know, <laughs> like, we're, we're we, are we, we it's not because of anything we're doing, it's because God, this is something that God is doing among the nations right now, and I, I believe that it's time for this stigma to just be broken. Amen. And so, today as we wrap up this sermon series, um, we have something special planned. We, we've kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier, but um, but I asked some of my friends from within our own church to come share their stories with you and uh, share their stories of how the Lord is working through them, even in the midst of their struggles. And so I, I am so excited to have my friends come up and share with you. So um each of them is gonna come share their story and we're gonna ask each of them a few questions and then at the end, we're gonna all come together and kind of have a, dis- a discussion. Now, I wanna make one thing clear is that we're not going to be taking any questions from the audience today, for the, from the congregation rather. It's not, not an audience, from, from, <laughs> sorry, not the audience. Uh, this isn't a talk show. I mean, I, I kinda do resemble Oprah a little but, um okay. But, um, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so anyway, so uh, we're not going to be taking any questions from the audience. And that's because these people are coming out on a limb here. And they're divulging some very sensitive things fr- from within their life. And so we want to create a safe environment for them to do so. We want to protect them. It's, it's a scary thing. Trust me, I know, to come out here and say, um, you know, I, I've I've been struggling, and and this is what I'm going through, and so we want to create a safe environment here. Can we do that together? Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. I had no doubt, by the way. Um, now, if their story resonates with your story, um, I, I encourage you go talk to them after service, and and, and tell them how much their story in, encouraged you, or or that you need prayer or whatever. But um, uh, because our story of what god is doing in us is one of the most powerful tools that we possess our our story of what god has done for us and through us and in us is one of the most powerful tools we have and and if you don't believe me watch this
2: i grew up in a christian home but for as far back as i can remember i was i had some form of depression um I remember as a kid having suicidal thoughts in elementary school and um, you know as I grew in my as I grew and as I as I grew in my faith it didn't seem to get any better so I talked to a pastor and he said that I should pray about it but it was a spiritual issue and and I thought the closer I got to God then the better it would get and it it never did. Um, I went to Bible college and then into ministry in Mexico and hoping that it would get better if I would just occupy myself with with ministry things, and it didn't. Um, and as a result, I isolated myself from people who, who I really needed to have around me to support me. And as a result, I lost some friends. But one of my friends approached me one day and said, Jeff, have you seen a doctor about this yet? And I thought, as a Christian, I thought, that's a failure. Because I, if I go see a doctor, I'm, I'm admitting that there's, there's, a problem, there's some other kind of problem. And so she told me, look, if you had cancer or diabetes, would you see a doctor? I said, yeah. Would you take medication? I said, yeah. And she said, you need to go see a doctor because this is a medical thing. And so I did. I went and saw a doctor and I felt better. Um, And then I met my wife and she also suffered from depression. And we began to talk about the way we felt. And that seemed to help even more than the medication did. And, you know, I just, I really see that, that that As it comes to depression, we've been told to keep it in the closet. But the reality is we need, to, we need to talk about it. We need to talk with one another about it. We need to share with each other and build each other up. Amen.
1: So welcome, Jeff. And uh, Dr. Mark's going to be up here as my color man, I guess. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for... Sharing your story with us, um, I, I know that couldn't have been easy. Thank you for the courage that it took, um, and uh, so
3: yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing to hear your story. I'm, you know, as the doctor of this of this uh, this panel here, I, I was wondering what led you kind of to believe in that getting help from a doctor uh, was a sign of weakness. What was what was that about?
2: I um, you know I don't know what it wasn't like someone said Jeff don't go see a doctor because it's a sign of weakness, mm-hmm. but it was. <laughs> But I think growing up in a Christian home and and I think just that discussion was never had. Though it was obvious there are certain, there are family members that we had in our home that, that maybe struggled with that. And there's other people at our church, but it was never really talked about. And I think, too, because, because so oftentimes, at least for myself, my, um, my feelings about myself were always attached to something that I was ashamed of like some kind of a sin that I was struggling with or whatever. And and so because it was attached to that shame, Mm -hmm. I believed that the feelings that I was feeling were a result of the shame and the way that I had to get rid of the shame was by confessing the shame to Christ and confessing it to God. And and it would go away. But the reality was that was true. You know, that that the shame is erased by the blood of Christ. But when you're dealing with a mental illness like depression or or anything along those lines that because it's attached to that thing when you aren't like happy-go-lucky yay i feel better i'm cured um instantly after you've prayed that prayer then it's like crap i didn't i didn't pray the right prayer i didn't say the right thing god's man god i need to find the formula and it it, it's not there there's no formula
1: Right.
3: Thank you so much.
1: That's awesome. And and in the video, um, one of the, my favorite parts uh, of of you telling your story is that um, you your, your wife is such a huge part of your story. Hey, Angelica, and um, and so I I just in the video you talked about how you know you went to the doctor and you got meds and it helped, but you didn't find um, full help until you were able to share it with someone in community right and so so uh, what are you and angelica doing to continue to support each other and
2: well i want to i want to say first of all that um it some of that wasn't in the video is that um i was actually i actually left an area, or i i moved away from a, a position in ministry it was a lead position in texas because of an episode that i had and, and shortly thereafter, Anhel came to work for the ministry that we were working, for, that I was working for at the time. She came to work as an assistant to our president. And, you know, there's the whole, oh, instantly I fell in love. That's <laughs> true. But, um, but I was really still struggling with, with my depression. In fact, that whole thing came as, a, as I had a suicidal episode. Mm. And the president of our ministry was there when it kind of happened. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so anyways, moving away from that, and Helica came to work for us, and we began to get to know one another, and, you know, there's that whole love thing, it kind of like, oh, hope. You know, kind so there's some of that, and, and, but it was, there were was still those moments of depression that would creep in. And then as we began to date, I realized that she also was struggling with something pretty deep. And, you know, I, I started praying for her. And... I think part of that was I started to take my, the focus off of myself and realizing that God can do some amazing things here. Yeah. But that I needed to be that, I needed to be a pillar. And so, so I did, I kind of, that's how I saw myself. As I f- saw myself as this pillar of God's place in her life to kind of support her and, and encourage her. And likewise, with her, we both struggled with similar things of shame and, and, and such. But as a result, we were able to lean on each other. And even today, we encourage each other. And um, I want to just say one last, one thing, and this last week Brian shared about putting on the full armor of God, and there's a picture, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a picture of a soldier up here, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was a single soldier wearing armor, but the Roman, the Roman soldiers were not standalone mercenaries, they didn't go out, they weren't like gladiators, (laughs) you know, they weren't, they were members of legions and armies and squads and, And and that's really what made the Roman Empire grow is because these individuals went out as armies and conquered the known world. And, you know, that's one of the things that that struck me last week was that we need to put on this armor, but we don't stand alone. Mm -hmm. That we need as a body of Christ to build one another up sometimes we feel like we're fighting this fight alone and too oftentimes it's because we put ourselves in that position. Mm -hmm. We go out and we think I can face all this crud in the world by myself because I have my Bible and the Bible doesn't say anything like that. You know, it says that we're to be a body and it says that we're that we're a part of an army and and it describes how we are we're not alone with God. We we don't all have everything it takes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. There are other specialists all around us. That, that don't just, they don't, they're not serving me, mm-hmm. the individual, but they serve alongside with me and I serve alongside with them for the glory and for the kingdom of heaven. That's right. And whatever battle we face, whatever struggles we face, someone has my back. And that, I, you know, I believe that. My wife is the first, is the first person on my side.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> but at the same time, I've got a lot of other brothers and sisters around me that need to be there, and once we overcome the stigma, we realize we're no longer alone, mm-hmm. and we can struggle together in this. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. It's just—it's just a just right. a weight off of our shoulders. That's
1: right. So, that's, that's right. Awesome. So. Thank you so much, Jeff.
2: Thanks,
3: Jeff.
1: And so, um, so you've met Jeff, our first panel member. Now I want to introduce you to our next panel member, and the thing that continually floors me about mental health and and, uh, depression and anxiety and, and, and these types of things is that if you just look on the outside, you'll never, you would never know a lot of times someone's going through what they're going through on the inside. And I know that was the case for this next person. For me, I was fully surprised. And uh, so here's her
2: story.
0: I don't like to talk about my struggles with anxiety and depression because I fear that it'll change the way people interact with me or view me and even more I fear the potential burden that I'll place on someone else if I'm open up if I open up and be honest about it. It's only been within the past couple months that I have been open to medical help which has shown me that the amount that I criticize myself isn't normal. I obsess over things and replay doubts and negative talks in my head over and over until I get to a place where I just want to give up or quit. I've prayed many times that I would be set free from it. I've prayed um, that God would set me free from this prison, that I may praise his name like it says in Psalm 142, because that's what depression anxiety feels like. It feels like a prison, it feels like a trap that I can't control and just comes on and I'm stuck. About a year ago, uh, I was at the peak of my anxiety and depression, and I was... uh, going through a really hard time at work where I was being criticized and treated poorly and um, I was just having a lot of negative self-talk. I was running errands in Redlands one day during that time and um, I was really close to getting into a car accident that probably would have killed me and it would have been my fault. My car didn't collide with the other vehicle and I wasn't far from home so I went and parked in front of my house and as I sat there thinking about how moments before that I was thinking about how I couldn't cope with everything that was going on and I just wanted everything to end and how that came really close to happening, there was a knock on my car window and as I opened my door there was a man there and he asked me if I was okay. He didn't blame me or criticize me. He told me that angels were surrounding my car and that God saved me that day because he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I tell you that story because I doubt that sometimes and I need the reminder um, that God has a plan for my life and he does for yours too.
1: So would you please welcome Amy? Hey, Amy. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amy was very hesitant to say yes to this, and uh, and I don't blame her. But um, one of my favorite parts of your story—I've I've known you a long time now. One of my and and like I said earlier, when I was having lunch one day with with Brian, and, and Brian said, "Hey, pray for Amy. She's really going through some anxiety," and and I was just like, "Whoa! I never." What a, I, I, she always seems so cool, calm, and collected, and 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 that's the thing that continually surprises me about mental health. And and, and uh, so, one of my favorite things about your story is that you, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with the thing you said about the inner dialogue, the the constantly uh, you know second guessing yourself and talking down to yourself. And at what point did did you realize that that wasn't healthy
0: so i think there have been multiple times when i've gone through it that i've known it wasn't healthy but i didn't know exactly what to do about it um i'll you know think something and my the good response is i'll be able to have like usually it's something physical like snap myself out of it like okay you know and just move on to something more positive or think about something scripture or pray Um, but the times when it's not healthy is no matter what i do even if i snap or shake my head or you know something to try to move on i just can't can't break free from it it's Mm -hmm. still there and it's just you know it's ongoing and i think the the way that I really came to realize that it was unhealthy is um, a couple months ago, my doctor referred me to a stress management class. And in the class, um, it was a therapy session. They talked about the difference between stress and anxiety, or stress and depression. And something they said was the word ruminate, and that to me just like really brought it all to like I ruminate and obsess over these things. And it's and so they said the difference between stress stress you have negative. Thoughts Um, but depression it's excessive thoughts over past feelings and that really like hit it home for me to realize like this is Unhealthy and even though sometimes I don't know what to do about it because it becomes normal Like Mm -hmm. it's just how I live throughout the day thinking these negative thoughts But um, that just really those words like made it clear that this isn't healthy Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah,
3: the story that really struck me um, in your video was the was the man coming up to you Um, talk about how that moment or that, that particular conversation changed how you saw yourself and maybe saw this? this uh...
0: Yeah, so his words to me were so much more than words. Like, they, they shocked me. Like, you know, this things like, you know, you hear in the Bible, people tell you, oh, you, you know, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. But that, like, at that moment, like I said, that that is not what I was thinking. And that is not, like, the first thing that was coming to my head. And so, you know, to me, that, was God like really making it clear to me. Um, So to me, I look at it as so much more than words that, you know, um, I think before I, I remember in college, actually, we had to do this thing where pick three words to describe yourself. And I actually one of my words I used was happy. I said, you know, that I'm a happy person. And I think for me, a lot of times, like I want, you know, happy Amy and sad Amy and that those are different. And I prefer the happy Amy. Um, but with with what he shared that just w- really showed me that that God doesn't look at me like that. He doesn't see like the happy Amy. It's not that oh, the happy Amy, I'm close to God and the sad Amy like I need to be praying more or doing something different. Um, but what that really showed me is that um, in Psalm 34 it says that, God is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in That's spirit. Right. That's right. And at that time, like that, I was crushed in spirit. And like with that, it was just God showing me that he's with me when I'm happy and when I'm sad and it's yeah. not separate. Yeah, thank
1: you so much. That's Amy. so good. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. And uh, mental health uh, takes all kinds of forms. And not just stress, not just uh, anxiety or depression, but there are also other forms as well. And uh, so this next person um, actually has a struggle that's, that's not uh, anxiety um, related. So here's the story. I have obsessive
4: compulsive disorder. OCD is an anxiety disorder and it's made up of obsessions and compulsions. These obsessions and compulsions are anchored on a fear that uh, the person has. In my case, my fear was religious. At the time, I was in somewhere between around the 8th or ninth grade and I thought my behavior was completely normal and that my fear was completely normal. But after talking with my mom and with some other family members as well as friends, I realized that something was off and we went to see a psychiatrist. After my mom talked with the psychiatrist and I talked with a psychiatrist, we realized that we did fit what he called obsessive compulsive disorder. And immediately I was put on pills and started seeing him regularly. And through the years I did struggle, in fact, with continuing to take the pills, I'd feel better and then I'd decide to stop taking the pills, try to convince myself I didn't need the pills. There was a point in my life, though, where I realized that I needed to stay on the medication, and that was okay. However, the main solution in my life has been the gospel of grace of Jesus Christ. Having that grace relieve me from the anxiety of losing salvation or of not having a secure salvation, the gospel of grace made the truth clear to me, which was that there is therefore no condemnation now in Christ Jesus. And in having that security, I also could look forward to a day of completion where I would be completely free from my suffering. And while I suffer now, I rejoice in knowing that it's all part of God's uh, plan for the completion of
1: his work in me. So please welcome Ricardo. I guess you just did.
3: (laughs) Welcome, Ricardo.
1: Welcome, Ricardo. Thank you. Thank you. So...
3: So you mentioned that your OCD was religious in nature. Um, talk about how that manifests itself. Um, what did that actually look like in behaviors
5: so uh, you know to clarify, uh, Jason is right about something it 's not a like a generalized anxiety disorder, but it is an anxiety disorder, except it, it cycles in obsessions and compulsions and it 's based on a fear. so my fear was religious in nature because um, I, uh, I was always trying to please God. I was brought up uh, in a very, uh, I guess, religious way. And so I was always focused on how I did things. And my fear was I might not be saved. I, not, I might not be good enough because I knew how bad I was. My fear was that someday I'd go to hell when I died. And, um, and that every time I fixed my act and asked for forgiveness, or back then I was going to a Catholic church when I would go see a priest, that that would kind of fix it. But something that my meticulous OCD made me realize is that I sinned the moment I walked out the door from my confession. And so I realized because I was so picky with things that I am very flawed and that if I needed to be saved every single time I sinned, uh, it was gonna be a problem. So I basically fear of salvation uh, and trying to live up to God's standards over and over again and failing. That fear uh, really created some weird rituals that I would start doing. You know, Other OCD people wash their hands a lot. I'm not bacteria OCD. <laughs> um, I would pray a lot. I'd spend hours praying, and if I fell asleep during prayer, I'd wake up crying and screaming because I had failed God,
1: um, so things like that. Wow, man. Uh, you talked a lot about fear um, just now. I heard a phrase about a week ago that fear is like a rocking chair. There's a whole lot of movement, but you don't go anywhere. you know. And, uh, and so uh, you talked about how the gospel has been your main source of healing for, for this disorder that you have. And, and so I was just wondering, when did you realize the, the impact the gospel was having on, on this?
5: Um, so I didn't come to full understanding of grace till many years after and so while I dealt with my OCD with taking pills and seeing a therapist which that was the path God had for me uh, that helped momentarily but it didn't solve the fear problem Um, and what really freed me was when I came to an understanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ promised it promised that yes you can't do it. Yes, you are flawed. And that's why he did it for me. Mm -hmm. And he secured it for me. Mm -hmm. And now he's helping me to walk into an improved and more perfected life. But there's grace every time I fail. It's not an excuse for me to go on failing, but rather I look to the completion of his work as we've been saying. So once I understood that a sinless life he lived for me because i can't live a sinless life it just lifted the pressure it just lifted everything and it gave me a degree of freedom that i had been wanting my whole life Um, this happened you know probably early 20s so i had been since the eighth grade trying to figure it out with christ and it wasn't working that was the moment though I still have OCD, I still struggle, I, I still have a lot of little things. My close friends and my wife know them very well, uh, but if you're just talking to me every day you might not realize it. Mm-hmm. But the main, at least the main source of, of, of my torment is gone, because that fear is gone.
3: Mm.
1: Amen, amen, thank you Ricardo. Thanks Ricardo. I just realized something. Um, I probably look a little more like Dr. Phil than Oprah, so, (laughs) FYI, sorry. (laughs) Oh oh boy, (laughs) all right. Um, Well, this next panel member is near and dear to my heart. I've known her for a long time. She is a friend, but she's more like family, and uh, their family's been through a lot. I want you to hear her story because it's really powerful.
6: About 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with depression. I had a very difficult time accepting the diagnosis because as I thought about my life up to that point, I had what most people would call a pretty perfect life. I had a great family life, a happy childhood. There was no reason for me to be depressed. I didn't understand why am I sad? Why can't I get out of bed in the morning? Why do I feel like this dark cloud is following me around everywhere I go? Um, I started on on antidepressants, which changed my life and I'm still taking them to this day. They work wonders for me. After the loss of our three and a half year old daughter, Carissa, to epilepsy, I think my depression was at its worst. I somehow managed to get through two pregnancies and postpartum depression without being on any medication. The doctors were concerned about the risks of medicines to the babies, so I, I didn't take them. And the postpartum depression was miserable. I mean, I was already depressed to begin with, but man, the postpartum depression, it, it was very bad. And it was hard, but I, I did manage to get through it. I never thought I'd be sitting here today telling my story about my struggle with uh, depression. When I was diagnosed, I didn't want to tell anybody, I was embarrassed, I was scared, I hid my medicine when people would come over, I didn't want anybody knowing. The only people who knew at the time were my mom and dad, my husband Mark and my sister maybe a close friend or two. I, My hope and the reason I'm doing this today is I hope that especially women, um, can, come, can be open about their struggle with depression and that the church would love and accept people for what they're struggling through and for what they are and that they would walk along with them as they are trying to get through their struggle with mental illness.
1: Amen. Please welcome Adrienne. Hey, Adrienne. She's nervous. <laughs> this is uh, uh, husband and wife. All right, um, Adrienne, uh, thank you for doing this. Seriously, um, your story is so powerful. Um, you talked about a lot of things in your story. Um, obviously, the the loss of Carissa was huge in your story. Um, and then and then you went on to have twin boys and another baby girl, which is amazing. And and. Um, uh, uh, you talked about one thing that stuck out to me in your story was how you talked about how you felt ashamed of, of your depression and that you would hide the medi- medication. Can you talk to us a bit about that?
6: Um, so awkward. <laughs> um, the, the microphone. Um, well, I remember even before I was diagnosed with depression, nobody talked about it. Nobody. I hardly heard anybody talk about their depression. People weren't open about it. They didn't want to share. What I do remember is being in conversation with people from work or people in my family and when they would say so-and-so is depressed, you gotta, you know, pray for them, but they, I didn't know why. I just thought depression's, what is that? It's weird. Not, you know, I don't know. And so it kind of created a negative picture in my mind as to what depression, like I guess it's, it's the stigma. That's why there's such a stigma about it because people do not talk about it. Um, so when I was diagnosed with depression, I don't want anybody to know because I didn't know what people would think of me. I thought that people would think of me what I thought of people who suffered from depression. Um, which you know, that's not cool. <laughs> you want to be able to talk about it and, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the, another thing you mentioned in your story that I'm, that I'm sure a lot of, of women can relate to is postpartum depression and, and so. Uh, I mean, what, what did that look like in your, in your day-to-day?
6: Um, you know, it, w- it was really tough, and postpartum depression, for any woman, we, regardless of every, if you have, excuse me, regardless of if you have a history of depression to begin with, is tough. It's just, it sucks. And, um, but here I am, I already have a struggle with depression, and then I get postpartum depression, so it's like a double whammy, you know? I get hit with all over, with both these things, and Um, He was just really hard. I was really sad. I think Mark didn't. Mark was the one, I think, who really said, you're not doing okay. You know, you you're you're just not doing okay." And I said, really? Okay." Um, And um, what was I going to (laughs) say for lost my train of thought? I was sad and I felt I actually felt like a really bad mom. I felt like a failure because I felt like I wasn't there for my my babies. Emotionally, I wasn't available for them because I was sad all the time, which is not true. I'm gonna start crying, <laughs> but um, so it was it was really tough because I didn't want I wanted to be there for my kids 100%. But then I felt like I couldn't. I felt like I was my joy was being stolen because I was sad all the time. So, a quick story I just want to share about the boy Preston and Nathan were about six and a half months old, and Mark and I talked about okay, what do I do? Do I I was nursing, and it was my goal to nurse my babies for a year, and I didn't take medication again because I not we didn't know the risks. Um, and when I actually, I nursed our daughter, Carissa, and I, I did take antidepressants because it was considered safe, and now it's not, so I, I just had such a hard time, you know, I don't want to take any risks with Preston and Ethan and Kaylin. Um, so I was at a point where I said to Mark, what do I do? Do I stop my medication so I can, I mean, I'm sorry, do I start my medication so I can be, feel like a better mom, or do I just continue to nurse them, which was, in my mind, the best, you know source of nutrition for them. And it was hard, I just, I really struggled. Cause it was like, I wanted them to get the best of everything, best of me, but you know. And so I ended up, um, I ended up nursing them for about seven, eight months. And <laughs> after I was done, I completely went back on medication and just, it's really helped me. I'm still on medication to this day. And I don't know, <laughs> I just want to encourage other moms to be able to talk about it. Cause it's, it's, it's a real struggle. Postpartum depression is real. And it's, it's okay to talk about it. And yeah. I think society puts such a pressure on moms to be perfect and to bounce back and just be happy. And you have a newborn. It should be a blissful time. And I think women are hard to say, yeah, this is hard. So, yeah. Amen. You
1: Thank you, Adrienne. Thank you. Thank you. So now we're going to invite everybody on the panel to come back up. Do you guys appreciate them telling their stories? All right, guys. So how do you feel? Have we done OK so far? Feeling good? OK, all right, awesome. Um, uh, so I guess one question I have for, for you guys is, uh, and we won't have everybody answer this question, um, uh, how, how are you currently managing your, your mental health struggle? So um, Jeff.
2: Um, I'm not taking medication any longer. Um, and one of the reasons why I, I got off medication was because it, it left me flat, completely flat. And I'm a pretty emotional guy. You ever see me singing? There's tears running down my face. Right now, I'm kind of choking up. But I enjoy that. It's, for me, that's part of who I am now. And so I've accepted a lot of that. Um, I talk about it when I get depressed. I mean, I, I let my wife know I'm really feeling down right now. and So, so she knows and and I share with others as well. I'm just, because I the shame is no longer there. That's right. um, and that's, that's how I deal awesome. with it. Awesome, Amy, can you answer that question?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm currently going through a program that my doctor referred me to called Mood Helper. Um, and it's full of just self-help things, but um, I would agree with Jeff. I, I think I'm recognizing it in myself and allowing myself to be aware and honest with it. Um, I think that like for me, a lot of times, I'm like, no, I'm stronger than this. Like, I can, I can get past this, but really just being able to be honest and not trying to hide it from Brian or hide it from other people, um, but be honest and just go through the, like I said, the class that my doctors referred me to.
1: Adrienne, um, uh, for those out there in our congregation who don't struggle with mental health, um, how, how can they help someone who is?
6: I think just to be supportive, be accepting, be non-judgmental, and I guess create a safe environment for the people who are suffering to feel open to talk to you know, to talk about it. Um, I think even Jason would say this, I'm a pretty real person. I if you know you if I'm if I trust you and I know you and I know you're not gonna judge me, if you ask me how I'm doing and I'm doing bad, I'm gonna say, Yeah, I'm having a bad day. You know, but I don't and I think that people who suffer from mental illness should be be able to say, yeah, I'm having a bad day. This day is really bad, but I don't think that can happen unless people in the church or just anywhere who don't suffer, they have, it it can't happen unless the the person like that's struggling can feel that the person that's not struggling is going to accept them and just be there for them and listen to them and not judge them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cardo, can you answer that question?
5: Um, Yeah, it's kind of along the same lines. I think that one thing that could, re- you could really help someone in your family or a friend that struggles with mental health if you actually dig in and do research, if you know what they're dealing with. Lack of knowledge can sometimes hurt the people uh, or the person that's suffering. That's a bit, That was the case for me at first. Um, I was told by, uh, I don't wanna mention names, people might hear this (laughs) on the podcast, but I, I had close people in my life who were saying, um, you know, it's in your head, get over it. And, uh, and that was really tough for me because I couldn't, I, the cycles of obsession and compulsion, the the more you try to stop it in a sense, the more it goes. Um, So I, I wasn't able to. And so I think that person that said that just didn't understand. Didn't know. They just thought it's in your head. They didn't understand that I had a, a neurotransmitter, as Mark said, serotonin that was insufficient, and I needed pills. Um, so, being sure that you that you know what that person is struggling with, do your research. Know about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
3: Um, Amy, what uh, what would you want to say to someone who's out there, you know, struggling with mental health and, and you know, if there's somebody here that uh, that hasn't been able to, like, kind of accept that, talk about what you might t- tell okay. them now.
0: Um, I think the three most important words are "you're not alone." Um, I think you know, like Jason said, I was really hesitant to to do this. I haven't opened up before this. Um, and so this really kind of pushed me past, and and actually, like, it's brought a lot of really great things because I opened up here. Um, I've had conversations outside with friends that um, I've just opened up and um, found out that they're going through something really similar. And um, I think in addition to knowing that you're not alone in this, like, here, like I said earlier, like, you're not alone in the fact that God is not leaving you at this moment. Like, God is, he, like, when you're at your darkest, like, God is right there with you. Like, there's no separation there. That's
1: right. That's right. Thank you. Um, let's just have each of them answer that question.
3: Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Talk about... Uh...
2: I think I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Amy just said about understanding that you're not alone. Um, it's because you're not. You're not alone. Um, and to think that you're alone just allows you to isolate yourself. And so isolation is, is the you know, if, I'm not, by the way, I've never been in the military, but for whatever reason I want to speak in military terms. If you get separated from the crowd or you get separated from your group, like I'm a wilderness guy, so I'll talk about that. If you' like, you're dealing with bears, <laughs> and if you, uh, if you get you know alone, you're, you're food, that's what you're going to become. And I think that's what happens is we become food when we separate ourselves from one another. So, so you, have to, you have to fight that that struggle to isolate because you feel alone and so you want to make yourself even more alone and in that that's that's where you really get torn up and so you know for me it was be in a group you know be in one of these grow groups be in a men's group be in a women's group be with some people and and choose wisely so yeah
5: um same question, right? Um, what I would say is that, uh, please make sure to go seek help by seeing a therapist, preferably a Christian therapist. Um, uh, there's a very cartoonish perception of therapists. I, I think we think that we're going to walk in and there's this couch and he sits behind like Freud and he's writing on his notepad. Uh, that's not what therapy at all is like. Um, and, uh, in my case, uh, Uh, In the latter years of my struggling, I've seen both a psychiatrist and a therapist, and the therapist works with very specific techniques that help me get by. So um, I would say if you have the smallest doubt about it, Go seek help. Go seek a therapist. I can guarantee you're going to learn something about yourself that you didn't know at a conscious level, and that's good. If you can find that there's something in your behavior because of something that's deeply rooted or seeded, even if you don't have a so-called disorder, then you're going to get something great out of it. Um, I, I think the main point here is mental health is an issue for everyone. Just because you don't fall inside the parameters of, the, diag- the diagnosis per se, you, all of us struggle with some level of sadness, anxiety, and so forth, or you know, obsessive behavior. So see, see a therapist and, and figure something new about yourself. It's exciting.
6: <laughs> I agree with all of them. You're not alone. And with our, you know, whole, the title of our sermon series, it's okay to not be okay. It really is. Um, and see a therapist. If you have to go on medication, do it. If not, that's okay, too. Um, And getting involved in groups, again, that's something that's very hard for me. You can ask Mark. I'm an introvert, so when I'm sad, I tend to pull away from people. And if I don't go to grow group, you know I'm probably having a really bad day. I I just don't want to go. I'll come up with... You can ask my best friend Kim over there. I'll come come up with any excuse not to go, but it's mainly because I'm just depressed I don't want to be around people. That's the worst thing. It's the worst thing for... I'm not just talking about me, but for others who struggle, don't isolate yourself. Because, you know, I find when I do push myself, Mark does kick me out the door. Like, we're going. After, I'm like, I'm glad I went. I feel happier. This is, this is better for my struggle with depression. Because you just feel, I don't know, better. So, you're not alone. <laughs> it's okay to not be okay. And share your stories because you may encourage others to do the same.
3: I couldn't have said
1: it better myself. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I just
3: want to thank you,
6: thank everyone up here for, being,
3: for having that courage to, to share your story, as well as, you know, just taking that step. This was, is this was really hard to stand up here. So thank you. Thank you, guys.
1: And I, and I just want to say a big thank you to Dr. Mark, who shot those videos and edited them. Um, they, were, they turned out great. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, I tried to shoot them without Mark and they kind of turned out to look like the Blair Witch Project a little bit. So, um, so I, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I want to invite the worship team to come on up as we, as we close out the service. Um, I know we're running a little late. Uh, ushers, if you'd please come forward um, as we move into a time of prayer. Um, Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for these stories, God. We thank you for the work that you are doing in us, Lord. We fully believe that at your will, you could heal us and make us whole, Father, but um, because your ways are beyond our ways, Lord, you you allow us to uh, go through struggles that we don't understand, Lord. So we put our faith and hope and trust in you, God, and we journey along with you towards restoration until the day of Christ comes, Lord, where we are. Where we will see Jesus face to face, and we will be whole and healed, and we will no longer carry these burdens. Father, Um, help us to not isolate. Father, isolation is one of the, the the deadliest things we can do. Father, and I pray, God, that that you would bring people into our lives, Father, that would speak truth, Lord, that would hunt us down and pull us out of those dark places when when we are incapable of pulling ourselves out of those. Um, I thank You for the courage it took to tell those stories today, Father. I thank You for what You're doing on this subject through the nations right now, Lord. Father, we ask for healing. Father, we ask for restoration, Lord. We ask for freedom and for chains to be broken, we ask for people to come out of hiding, hide no longer son or daughter, for I know you by name, says the Lord, I know every hair on your head, I'm right along with you every step of the way, every time you think you're hiding, you can't hide from me, says the Lord, I am with you. So as we begin to sing this song and the ushers come forward to take our offering I just want to open up this, this time for, for prayer after the ushers go by if you want to come forward to the front and be prayed for there will be people waiting for you to pray for you and be with you um, don't don't stay in hiding any longer. Come out of hiding. So Father God, we, we lift our offering to you, God. You know our financial struggle as a church, Father. And so we look to you for, for our provision. God, you're all we could ever want, all we could ever need. And so we ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.